0: hello hello and welcome back to another episode of her talks radio this is living well i am your host tanisha burrell and in this space we talk all things health and wellness and how to live a healthier and happier life on today's episode i will be sharing about my sobriety story and how to live a sober lifestyle and how it has impacted and transformed my life thanks for joining stay tuned so excited to jump into this week's podcast. Now, quick thing, I am taking a break from our segment of the eight dimensions of wellness just to share about this sobriety segment um, because my sobriety is an important part of my life and something that recently has come up for me and something that I am processing and going through and re-experiencing all over again. And so I will say that I do believe God is calling me to speak about my sobriety and kind of share my story, my experience with alcohol addiction, and how giving up alcohol has ultimately changed my life and transformed my life. Um, I'll start by just giving a little bit of background about my alcoholism, how it evolved some of the uh, things that came up for me during the years of my alcohol addiction and what ultimately caused me to want to walk away from it. Um, I will say that I, you know, this is not an easy topic for me to share with just anybody, but I do believe that in sharing my uh, story about my alcohol addiction that Maybe it could help somebody else out there who is listening and is contemplating that for themselves. And even though my addiction is specifically related to alcohol, I do believe that there are a lot of commonalities and um, similarities when it comes to addictions to other things. So it could be marijuana use. It could be some other drug. It could be food could be sex, could be porn. I mean, there are a lot of different kind of addictions out in the world. Some are more socially acceptable than others. I will say that alcohol is a more socially acceptable form of drug because we see it everywhere. And so I think it does make it harder to walk away from because of the social norms that come with drinking alcohol. I live in Colorado, so I will say marijuana is becoming more acceptable. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of different types of addiction, and so if you're listening to this podcast and you're you know contemplating sobriety for yourself, it doesn't necessarily just have to be about alcohol. Um, I also want to say that you know everybody's story is different, and just because you drink alcohol, that doesn't mean that you have a problem with alcohol. Or just because you, you know, whatever, you know, your uh, drug of choice or whatever your, you know, whatever you like to do, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a problem with it. But in sharing my story, I hope that maybe this could help someone out there identify if, you know, an an attachment to whatever it is could be negatively impacting your life and um, hopefully it's something that will help you to want to change it so even though I have shared parts of my sobriety on this platform I did want to just give a a deeper background about how I um, really got engulfed by my addiction and how it negatively impacted my life I will say that I believe my addiction started when I was in my mid-20s But I didn't actually start drinking until um, my freshman year of college. I had friends in high school who drank and that was just not something that I was interested in at that time. And so um, my start to alcohol didn't happen until my freshman year of college. And in the beginning, it was just a big party, you know, a lot of kids go off to college and You know, that's where you finally have freedom from your parents and you're able to, you know, go out and do things that you didn't do before. And so for me, it was just like, woo, party time. (laughs) And the school that I specifically went to, um, the opportunity to party was there like on a daily basis. And so again, I never drank before. So upon drinking, I felt good. You know, in the beginning, it was fun. And um, I have a lot of fond memories of just going to parties with friends. But it didn't take long for the fun of the party life and the college life to start to uh, have negative consequences because, you know, I wasn't just having an occasional beer, I was drinking handles of vodka, skull vodka. Let's just talk about that. (laughs) Black. Just saying that out loud is crazy. Like, I cannot believe I was drinking handles of Skull Vodka, but that's what we could afford at the time. Um, And so, you know, it went from having, you know, a couple shots to my tolerance, then needing or, you know, uh, forcing my body to need more because the more alcohol you drink or the more of anything that you drink, you need more of it in order to achieve the same results. So because I, you know, was drinking every other day or every weekend or whenever that time was coming, I started to drink more and more and more. And so again, my tolerance started to become more and I needed more in order to feel that same effect. And, um, and then I would just keep drinking until I physically couldn't drink anymore. Um, and so it started to cause a lot of problems for me physically because I would just be sick. And then I couldn't go to class. And then, you know, I wasn't getting my schoolwork done. And then my grades started to fail. I believe at one point I even went on academic suspension because I wasn't doing the work. <laughs> I would say that, you know, those first couple of years of college, I got an associate's degree in alcohol. Like, it was just insane the amount of alcohol that I was drinking and how, you know, it just impacted those first couple of college years of my life. And... um so early on, even though it was just like a party and it was fun, I knew that there were some negative things happening with my relationship to alcohol. But because I was so young and still having fun with it, it was definitely not something I was even considering changing at the time. So flash forward, I leave you know the college that I was going to for those first couple of years and decided, okay, I've, I've got to slow down on this alcohol thing. I, I definitely want to get a good education. You know, I was determined to succeed in life. Um, and so I knew that I needed to take a step away from alcohol or at least, you know, slow down a little bit. And, you know, at that time I was probably like 20, 21. And, you know, when you're young, it's hard not to be in that social scene. And it's totally acceptable to be a 21-year-old binge drinking on a regular basis. Like socially, that's something that I think, you know, is easy for a 21-year-old to get trapped in because it seems like it's just the norm. doesn't have to be. I'm not encouraging any 21-year-old out there to, you know, go out and party just because you're 21 because let me tell you, it is a waste. <laughs> it's a waste to be wasted all the time. <laughs> um and obviously, like I have no, I not obviously, but I have no regrets about that part of my life because it ultimately, you know, helped me to become the person that I am today. I'm just simply saying that, you know, if you're 21 and you're listening to this, I am by no means encouraging you to go out and binge drink on the weekends because, um, you know, it, <laughs> there's better ways that you can utilize your time. Let's just say that. Uh, and so... You know, after leaving that college, I knew that, okay, whatever, I'm going to slow down. And I started focusing on school and, you know, but on the weekends, it was like party time. And so I would say at the start of my 20s, I became a weekender. And what is a weekender? (laughs) Somebody who just parties on the weekends. Uh, I occasionally would like go out maybe on like hump day, you know, go to the the party scene on a Wednesday night just to get through the, you know, the week or whatever, but I was mostly like a weekend drinker, and again, that social acceptance piece is there because, you know, when you're in your 20s, that's what people expect. It's like you're partying on the weekends, and so that became, you know, a routine thing for me for many, many years, and so I didn't really, even though I knew that there were some negative things coming up for me, I didn't recognize that I needed to change at that time or wanted to change. So that's a big part of like, you know, addiction or, um, you know, wanting to or recognizing that you could have a problem with something is like, but do I want to change? Even if you see that there could be a potential problem, if that desire to change is not there, it's most likely not going to happen. That's why it's really hard to convince people who are addicts to change if they don't want to. It's like literally pulling teeth or, you know, um, I'm sure some people have like seen an intervention where somebody's life is in shambles and everybody sees it. But that person who is in it uh, doesn't recognize it, doesn't want to recognize it or doesn't want to change. So for the first part of my 20s, like I had no desire to change anything, even if things were coming up for me that were bad. It wasn't until late in my 20s that I started to realize that if I continued on the path that I was on, being a weekender, partying every weekend, waking up hungover, missing work, missing school, uh, spending money that I shouldn't spend, being promiscuous... Um, you know getting into fights with friends and you know all these negative things that were coming up for me at that point that i was starting to recognize uh late in my 20s it was like man if if i don't change this it's probably not gonna get any better and so um i started to think about you know quitting a little bit more but again it took a while and i will say a big key turning point for me was when i met my husband who is an amazing man with so much compassion and patience and love for me. Um, but I, you know, got with him when I was about 26, 27. Yeah. 26. Actually I got with him when I was about 26 years old. Again, when I was really starting to recognize some of the negative, uh, impacts of my partying and drinking and, um, but I still wasn't ready for change, even being with him. But things were coming up in my relationship with him that um, I knew were really causing a negative impact because although he was just very patient with me and very loving and never, you know, tied my hands behind my back or gave me ultimatums around my alcoholism, he recognized that it was something that was causing. Um, Not only harm to our relationship, but harm to me mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so having somebody who loved me so much really, you know, kind of share with me like, hey, this is bad. Like, do you realize that you need to, you know, give this up? You know, he kind of gently nudged me to really start thinking about, you know, walking away from it. And again, he never forced my hand. And it was that kind of unconditional love that ultimately helped heal me. But um, it was the first time that I I recognized that, wow, okay, maybe I do really need to change this. But still, I was having too much fun. (laughs) You know, still in my mid-20s, just enjoying the party life and, you know, thinking that it was all going to be okay. And that's the trap of addiction is it's easy to rationalize that, you know, it's all fun and it's all good and everything's going to be good. Um, It's easy. It's easy to get, you know, stuck in that because you think that, you know, eventually things will get better. Well, things don't get better. Let me just share that. Things don't get better. They get worse if you don't start to create change around Your addiction, period. It's just a fact of addiction and it's an unfortunate fact of addiction, and I've seen it unfold my entire life. And I'll go back to um, just sharing a little background around that. I come from a long, long, long history of addiction in my family tree, whether it was drugs or alcohol. I will say it was mostly those two things that negatively impacted my family, including both of my parents, and I had a very tumultuous childhood because of it, and I remember being a small child and thinking to myself, I never want my children to experience these things. I remember specifically thinking that when I was small, and so that carried with me through to adulthood, and so in those moments where I was thinking about change, it was like, yeah, I'll I'll change when, when I become a mom, And that became, like, the deadline for me. It was like, oh, yeah, eventually, you know, I do recognize that I'm seeing some problems with this in my life. I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to, you know, repeat some of the same mistakes they made for my, you know, future children. (laughs) And so, as silly as it sounds, you know, I'm over here being motivated by children that don't even exist yet. That was going to be, like, the turning point for me. And I'm so grateful that God woke me up from that toxic mindset because... (laughs) you know, I, that that could be part of my why, but it didn't need to be, you know, the main reason why I needed to change. And again, I'm glad that God gave me insight and clarity on that because I got sober long before my son was born. And I'm so grateful for that because I made the changes to become a better person long before he got here so that when he arrived I was equipped and prepared to give him the life that he deserved <laughs> so i do think it's important to start to recognize you know the problems that it's causing in your life but also like find a reason why it would be good for you to step away from those things so on top of you know me you know having that that thing in my mind about i needed to you know do it as a mom what ultimately pushed me to make that change was realizing I needed to do it for God and I needed to do it for myself and I needed to do it for the people that loved me including my husband but ultimately I knew I needed to do it for me because I deserved to be happy I deserved to have genuine joy not you know this fake sense of joy that I was getting from a bottle from a substance that was actually quite toxic for my mind and my body you know alcohol is poison and not to say that everybody who drinks alcohol has a problem with alcohol but a lot of people do and and you know when it becomes an addiction it can really wreak havoc on a person's life so for me i i do consider it to be poisonous in that you know when you're in in a space of addiction it not only poisons your body, it poisons your mind in, in every aspect of your life, finances, relationships. Um The list goes on and on and on. So I knew that I needed to, you know, step away from it so that I could find genuine happiness, so that I could find peace. Um, because I do believe that even though it was fun in the beginning, I started to use alcohol for other things. I started to use it for, you know, the depression that I suffered from for many, many years and the anxiety that I experienced for many years Um, from the post-traumatic stress of my childhood. It's like I wanted to forget. I wanted to just numb up and not feel. That was a huge motivator for me when it came to living, you know, dealing with life challenges is that I used alcohol as a way to cope and as a way to, well, not cope really because... (laughs) If I was actually coping, I would be dealing with whatever those problems were in, you know, hopefully a healthy way. I I mean, I consider coping to be a form of, um, you know, getting through challenges in a healthy way. And so with alcohol, it was like I wasn't coping. I was just numbing myself. And so, um, you know, I I knew that I, I just wanted real peace, and i wasn't getting that i was getting you know a temporary sense of peace from not feeling anything when i you know would drink um i think one of the uh because i went through contemplation for so long there were so many things that came up for me that were teaching me that i needed to step away from alcohol but leading up to the decision of my sobriety Um, I remember I was on a vacation with my husband and I drank too much on one of the nights that we were on vacation and I was just the next day I was so sick I was so incredibly sick that I could barely move looking back at that situation I know that I had severe alcohol poisoning like really really severe it's one thing to be hungover. That was like another level of hungover. I was throwing up like every few minutes. I couldn't even hold down water. I just felt like I was dying. Um, and I'm laid up in this beautiful hotel with my amazing husband laying beside me, you know, comforting me. And all I could think was I ruined our vacation for this? for 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 that for that one night where i just you know lost myself and i can't even remember if i had you know a good time last night and now i'm here and i was sick for gosh i don't know 12 hours straight just throwing up <laughs> so you know that was one of the worst times and i i will be honest and say that wasn't the first time that that happened for me either i had been sick like that before but it was this particular instance that god showed me what it was going to look like for the rest of my life if i decided to continue on drinking the way that i was sick sick and tired and not living the life that i deserved here i was in this beautiful place where i could be out adventuring and seeing you know new sights and experiencing New adventures with my husband, but instead I was sick. Not just physically sick, emotionally sick, spiritually sick. My relationship with my husband in that moment was sick. And I was doing it to myself. And I was so angry with myself. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, There are people out there who are sick, who are not choosing that for themselves. And here I am sick because of a choice that I made to overdo it once again, because like I said, that wasn't the first time that that happened. So that was like a huge turning point for me because I just recognized that I just didn't want to feel that anymore, but I also just didn't want to live that anymore. But I still didn't stop that was like the first big nail in the coffin, but it took a couple more nails. <laughs> I'm hard headed. So I, and stubborn, like, don't tell my husband I said that. Okay. Shh, That's between us y'all. But, um, it takes a lot for me to, you know, really, you know, do the right thing when it comes to certain things or just like not do the right thing. Cause I'll, I'm a I'm a pretty good do-gooder. Like, I like doing the right thing. <laughs> but I would say it's more so about just, like, letting go of my ego and doing what I know I need to do even if I don't want to do it, if that makes sense. And so, again, it took a few more nails in the coffin <laughs> for me to just finally dead the whole, you know, alcohol addiction thing and and just move on. And another instant instance that happened after the whole sick vacation thing was, um, I experienced a death of a friend who wasn't even a friend of mine. And that was so crazy to me. Um, I say a friend because he felt like a friend, even though he wasn't, he was a cousin of a dear friend of mine who I grew up with, who I knew from High school and had fond memories of just from watching him from afar. And um, just his story and how he passed away impacted me in such a deep way. He died from an unexpected disease at a very young age, leaving behind a wife and three children, and we were the exact same age. And I remember going to his funeral and just feeling the heaviness of his life being gone and here i was still living but not living and that was a huge turning point in in a piece of clarity that god gave me was like you know this person didn't choose death you know and god called him home for whatever reason i will never question god when it comes to that but what I will say is that gave me perspective about how I was living my life and the fact that I was slowly killing myself and that I wanted to live and I didn't want to just exist anymore, that I wanted to have true joy, true peace and have fun without alcohol. And so after that weekend of grieving from a distance, which is so interesting to have had that experience because, again, you know, he was somebody that I knew, but somebody that I knew through people that I cared about. But still, after that, I was like, that's it, I'm done. And I made a decision to quit drinking. And that was almost six years ago, almost six years ago. But that was the beginning of the work. Let me just tell you because I'm still in the work and I will be in the work forever. And I recognize that as just part of my story and my journey. That's part of my existence now is that I'm constantly doing the work in order to maintain a sober lifestyle. Now, what I will say is that it has not been a perfect six years. I've had a handful of times where I did, in fact, have a drink or a drink or two. Um, they were few and far in between, but they were still moments where I, um, made that decision and then looked at that choice and was like, yeah, no, I don't need to do that. (laughs) Even as recently as a month ago, and I hadn't had a drink in almost two years. And a month ago, I had had a drink with a friend while I was on vacation. And, you know, it would be easy for me to rationalize that situation and be like, yeah, it was no big deal. Because I just, you know, felt like I wanted to try, and I oftentimes feel that way like I just want to try to see if I can handle it. Um, and in that moment, I did, but I also know that the decision that I made to be sober is because I want to have a good life and I want to be a good person and of a sound mind, you know, my faith keeps me at bay when it comes to that. My faith is something that guides me in my sobriety because I know that God is walking with me and I know that this is what God wants for me. God wants peace for us all. He wants us to have joy and happiness and have this, you know, positive human experience. That doesn't mean that we're going to be immune to challenges and struggle, but we, those moments of joy that are authentic are so worth it. When it's really coming from him and when you're really in that experience of like, wow, I feel good. And there's nothing, you know, adding to this experience as far as like a substance. And so I know that sobriety ultimately is where I want to be. And again, it's, it's not about being a perfect road, but I don't ever want to have the life that I had before I quit drinking. I don't ever want to go back to that. I really don't. That it I am so motivated not to go back to that life because I know that the life that I've created now is so much better, so much better. Let me tell you, if you are contemplating sobriety for yourself, it is better, and I didn't believe that that could be my experience for many years that That's part of why I kept drinking is because I had doubts and fears around. If I would ever be able to enjoy life or feel good or have fun without it, the devil had convinced me that my life would suck without it. And the devil is a liar. Let's just say that because my life is so much better Um, because I'm living out this experience. Like I can remember everything and I'm not sick anymore. And I can physically do the things that I want to do in my sobriety that I was not able to do because of my alcohol addiction. For example, when I decided to quit drinking, I was like, okay, I don't have anything holding me back now. You know, what are some things that I wanted to do that I felt like I couldn't do in my days, my hazy days. One of those things was running a marathon. Like I, I always had contemplated running a marathon and what that experience could be like for me because I was pretty passionate about fitness even in the years of my addiction. Um, I enjoyed exercising and things like that, but I knew that like running a marathon would be so cool, but I also knew in my addictive days that I couldn't because, hey, I drink on the weekends. I can't train for a race. I'm going to be drunk on Saturday and probably hungover on Sunday. (laughs) and on Monday, I'm definitely not going to feel like running, so yeah, I don't have time for that, you know, but when I quit, it was like, okay, I can dedicate whatever time that I need to this in order to, you know, train for this race, and not only did I decide to do a marathon, I decided to do it in a new country that I'd never been before, I'd never been anywhere international before, and um, a friend of mine who is near and dear to me had posted about doing a marathon in Madrid, Spain. And so once I saw her post about that, that was like the aha moment of like, wait, this could be my chance to actually do a marathon for once. Like, this is what I wanted to do. And so I jokingly told her like, hey, I want to come. And she was like, okay, sweet. And she immediately texted me and starts giving me details. And I was like, uh, I was just kidding. (laughs) So that doubt, you know, still snuck in there. But then I immediately corrected it and it was like, wait, actually, I could do this. I could do this. So that that day I signed up for that race. And then in the following weeks, I purchased a plane ticket and started getting my plans in order to go to Madrid. And then I started training for that race. And in that process of tra- training for that race, oh, man. I was just completely transformed. Oh, it was so amazing just to, you know, finally see my body do the things that I knew it could do, but that would have been seemingly impossible for me to do in my addiction. And just the mindset that it took to be consistent and persistent in the training process, because it was a lot of hours of running, let me just tell you. Uh, you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles total. And so I had to build my way up to that. You don't just start at the, you know, start line and and run 26.2 miles in, in one day without preparing for that. And so, you know, over the course of about three to four months of training, I was getting my body acclimated for that race. And uh, the experience of running that marathon in Madrid, Spain, oh, no alcohol anywhere on earth could ever, ever, ever touch the euphoria that I felt in that uh, like experience. I mean, I'm running through the streets of this beautiful country that I've never been to. And there are people, crowds of people all along the streets of Madrid, just cheering you on. And you're in the scenery and it's beautiful. And I had you know the most amazing playlist that was just inspiring me to keep going, and the weather was pristine, and all that I could envision was crossing that finish line because that finish line meant more than just a medal to me uh that finish line meant that I was free that I was free, that I had finally you know broken free from the change of addiction, and that I was running towards my best life. (laughs) So it was like a transformative experience for me. And again, I know in my heart, none of that, none of that could have been possible if I had not decided to live a sober life. And so that's, that's one of the things that motivates me to live a sober life is being able to do the things that I love to do without having that hinder me. Because I do believe that my addiction was a hindrance to me being the best person that I could be and living out my best life. So I just want to shift into like just speaking to anybody out there who may be contemplating, you know, giving up something that has become a negative pattern or behavior or addiction Mm -hmm. in their lives because there's a lot of steps that I took in order to get to where I am now. Um, I would say the biggest one being my spirituality and just having that faith and trust in God that he's guiding me, that he's with me, that I'm not alone. And um, getting involved at my church, just having that community and support and accountability has been a huge force in my life because I'm a part of something really special there for anyone interested. um, I actually go to Harvest Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can look it up. At harvestchurch.church. They do um, a lot of great things there, and uh, a lot of members who are a part of that church are actually online. So you can, you know, be a part of Harvest Church from anywhere in the world, literally. That's what I love about our church. Um, And so, yeah, just having, you know, somewhere that I could go to get the word and, you know, have that sense of community to build on my faith was, you know, a huge um turning point for me i also sought out um therapy <laughs> to unhash the years and years and years of trauma from my upbringing as well as the trauma from my addiction i will say that when i went to therapy i felt like i was unbagging 10 plus years of a nightmare you know it was like the reality of some of the things that i did I needed help with that. I needed help really um, sifting through that. And um, my therapist was amazing at helping me to just move through that with grace for myself. And just giving me clarity about why those things happened, how they happened, and how to prevent those things from happening again in the future. So that was a very key thing. Um, You know, truthfully, I went to school for psychology. And I always say that like, even though I never specifically got a job in the field of psychology, I pretty much got a degree in counseling myself because I think there were so many things that I learned in school that helped me recognize uh, why I am the way that I am, why addiction, you know, is such a strong and powerful force in so many people's lives. But one of the things that sat with me uh, was an instructor in one of my addiction class who said, behind every addiction there is pain and in going to therapy I was able to get to the root of my addiction that it came from a place of pain and that it came from a place of trauma and so that insight really helped shift things for me because I knew that I had to find healing so that I could you know truly move forward from uh The pain and traumas of my past. Because healing is a key factor of recovery. And so um, that was life changing for me. And another thing that was important to me was to rebuild my social life. Because, you know, alcohol is so socially acceptable and oftentimes something that people expect you to do when you're young. and that was how I made friends was like in the party scene or by connecting with people over alcohol. So a lot of my friendships faded away once I quit drinking because they were not authentic friendships. Let's just, I mean, I'm just being real. They were friendships that were based on alcoholism. And so I needed to rebuild uh, my social life. And so I actually started to go on (laughs) meetup.com. I actually started by forming my own group. It was all about, you know, sober fun, sober living and meetups, specifically doing fun things with people outside of the bar, outside of drinking. So I had my own little group and I had a few meetups there, but then I started plugging into other meetups and just meeting people who were doing things that, were interesting or that I thought I would have fun doing that had nothing to do with alcohol. And I started to meet new friends and do new things and figure out how to have fun again without alcohol and figure out how to have friendships without alcohol. So that was a key thing for me because, you know, like I said before, for the longest time, what was keeping me in my addiction? Well, one of the things was I just thought that I couldn't have fun without it. So I'm super grateful that I was able to discover that I absolutely can have fun. Way more fun sober than uh, when intoxicated or under the influence of something that is altering my experience. So having fun. Yeah, that was a really, really big one. Um, let's see. Fitness. Yeah. So... Most people know on this podcast, I share a lot about health and wellness um, because fitness was a big, big um, factor in my sobriety because once I started working out more, I started experiencing a lot of the benefits of fitness for my mental health. I specifically started going to Orange Theory and if you haven't tried Orange Theory and you're looking for you know a dope, fun workout, it was really that. It actually was just a blast like I just loved working hard in that environment Um but it all because I was working so hard I know that I was getting like a surge of endorphins and I started to feel really really good I was already working out before that but something about the style of that workout I discovered like when I worked my body really hard yeah it was challenging when you're in it like <laughs> oh man it's hard you know but after the fact, um, it was like, whoa, you know, I just feel really good. So fitness became a good source for um, my recovery, but also for my mental health. Uh, I did share earlier in the podcast that I suffered from depression and anxiety. And so for me, I I didn't realize how interconnected that was to my alcohol addiction until after um my sobriety and I, I started to recognize when depression and anxiety came up for me how badly I wanted to drink um, and it was because I just didn't want to have that experience and so um, in my sobriety I've had to really find ways to cope with just life in general when depression and anxiety come up for me um, and so faith fitness and fun are things that really help me in that. And uh I think a lot of people have um you know mental health issues that they're not aware of or they have not had diagnosed and so you know sometimes it just takes that self-awareness and that self-evaluation before taking that step to go see a doctor. And so I have been, you know, diagnosed with those things many times and they, they you know That experience for me is still part of my experience just because I'm sober. That doesn't mean that I, you know, all of a sudden am cured from all of, you know, my ailments, mental health wise, just means that I handle them differently than I have in the past. But because of those mental health issues, I have to handle them with care so that, you know, I can stick to my sobriety the way that I need to, um, And so with that, I will just share real quick, last year was probably, you know, one of the hardest years for most people being, you know, the pandemic and COVID and quarantine. And uh, a lot of the things that I have used to cope with my addiction, I didn't have access to. So um, that was very, very challenging. And so I feel like I kind of skated by 2020, just striving to do the best that I could. Fortunately, I was you know, a new mom. And so my son was with me and he has just brought me so much joy. But oftentimes I, you know, was home with him by myself while my husband was working and I just felt lonesome. You know, even having this beautiful child in front of me, I had moments where my depression really came up for me. And so again, I just kind of skated by through it. And it wasn't until January of this year when it all just hit me because I feel like I wasn't really recognizing the signs of my depression and anxiety getting worse. And so I had like a complete and total like breakdown in January of this year where I just felt beside myself. I was having the most severe alcohol cravings because I was kind of falling back on that old mindset of like, I just need a drink and I'll feel better. And, um, As soon as that started coming up for me, I knew I needed to address it. Um, I ignored it for a little while until it all came to a head and I had a severe panic attack. And it was like a whole thing. Fortunately, my husband was home. He was there to help me. I ended up going to see a doctor the very next day because I knew like, this is serious. I've, I've got to address this. And so at that time, speaking with my doctor, I decided to get on medication for... Um, my depression and anxiety because I just was having a hard time managing it. And I was always, for the longest time, I was against getting on medication. I was like, no, there's other things that I could do. I know that there's other things I could try. And so I did all of those things and I was able to manage my depression and anxiety alcohol-free for many years. But I also recognized that, you know, at that point in my life, I need a little extra help and I needed to give myself the grace to just try it out and see how it could help me. And what I will say is that it absolutely did. I started to feel better about three to four weeks after the medicine was in my system. Um, It was an antidepressant medication. And I just, you know, after being, you know, kind of anti-medicine, I'm now like, okay, maybe medicine is, you know, something that could help like why would I deny myself medicine for something that can make me feel better like I wouldn't deny myself medicine for any other ailment that I have so why would I deny myself this and so I started taking meds uh, again uh, in January and have taken them for the last five months until I decided to wean off of them recently because I was talking to my doctor about it and I just shared with her like you know I don't want to have to be on medication forever. So I want to see if I can manage being off the meds in the summertime. Because usually the summertime is when I have access to a lot of those things that give me that that joy and that experience and release endorphins. Whether it's fitness or being outside, going to the pool. like Summer is my happy season, I'll just be honest. And so I felt like, yeah, maybe I could get off the meds and just see how I do for the summer. And if I feel like, you know, my depression, anxiety becomes unmanageable again, then I'll get back on the meds. So right now I'm in that season where I'm just filling it out. And I will certainly do a follow-up podcast just to talk more about um, just depression medication in general, but how, you know, the summertime is going and if I decide to get back on that medication and what that looks like for me. But I just wanted to share that piece because I feel like there's such a stigma when it comes to mental health in general um, but there's also a stigma when it comes to medication and so you know I, I'm speaking from experience that it absolutely did help me and it could you know be something that I use for the rest of my life whenever you know I, I feel like I need that extra assistance for my brain <laughs> because the reality is you know when you have depression and anxiety your brain needs some sort of help sometimes and for me I just don't ever want to have to rely on alcohol to um, get me through you know those challenges when they come up for me. So I will end with that part um, and also just want to encourage anybody out there who's contemplating sobriety for themselves to know that it's absolutely possible for you, that it's important to evaluate any negative you any negative behavior that you may have with any substance. And just know that your life can and will be better if you decide to break free from what's hindering you around any kind of addiction. And I am living proof. Glory be to the Most High God. You guys know where to find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Borelli T. Please never hesitate to reach out with questions. Encourage if you ever need encouragement. I'm here. I'm here to listen and continue to spread love and light around just living a healthier and happier life. Thanks for joining.